All right, Jess, it's exciting. Thank you for doing this today. I appreciate you. No worries. Thanks for having me. Of course. I just want to start all the way at the beginning of your journey personally. Um, you started playing in bands in the early 90s. So beginning with Soul Roach, forming Foreign Objects. What inspired you to pursue music and how did these early experiences shape your career? So it was kind of always a thing. And um, yeah, I think my <laughs> my friend out of his room, you know, and me as like a five-year-old, I was like, what is this magic, you know? <laughs> so I was immediately into it. And um, yeah, I, I guess one time his brother, Chris, put on Song Remains the Same by Led Zeppelin. And I just, I was just amazed the whole time. And, you know, Bonham just had such a presence in that movie that I I don't know, I guess I just, being my uncles are drummers and and it just looks so cool it, it appealed to be <laughs> well it definitely it definitely shaped into something really incredible so i guess that brings us to the initial formation and evolution of cky which is a band that i obviously grew up with um as a co-founder of cky you've seen the band evolve a lot could you share some insights into the band's style uh its direction how it began yeah, um, I like you said, it started out kind of as like a math metal thing. <laughs> um, foreign Objects, I guess, kind of was the first like iteration of CKY. Like, um, you know, up until like Carver Cities, some of the old Foreign Objects songs got reinvented with Chad's production. Um, so, I mean, that's how long we wrote on some of that stuff, but, um, yeah, you know, in the nineties, the first foreign object CD came out in 1995 when I was still in high school, I sold CDs out of my locker. <laughs> and, um, I think a lot of people were into the music, but turned off by the growly vocal style, which is funny now because so many bands do that. But back then it was, a real turnoff to a lot of people. So eventually we just kind of started writing more rock songs. I mean, I, I've never been a huge metal guy. Um, you know, Darren, who was the first singer was obviously a huge metal guy. Um, but I guess, you know, and we were both like very into like, you know, kiss blue oyster cult stuff like that. Scorpions, um, so naturally, I guess it just went into a more rock direction, uh, just because of accessibility and, you know, we wanted to do music as our job and in the nineties doing death metal seemed like crazy talk <laughs> of ever reaching mains, you know, enough appeal that you could make a living off of it. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, eventually that led to volume one, which we started recording in 97. And then it finally came out in 99. And luckily, you know, we caught the interest of Volcom, uh, who actually got it out in not even record stores, mostly skate shops and surf shops. Um, so it was kind of funny, like, um, 
you know, originally when the first video came out, we kind of tagged onto that through a company called Landspeed, and then Volcom eventually got involved and and got it. Um, it took a while, but it, I think the first record store to pick it up was Tower Records. Classic. And, um, yeah, I know. And it was funny. I, I mean, I've said before, like, it seems like the music industry was the last people to find out about the band. <laughs> we, we had to sell, I think we sold like about 50,000 CDs in skate shops and surf and snowboard shops before, you know, anyone from the music industry actually took us seriously. <laughs> well, could you speak a little bit about to kind of the universe that you created even in those early days? Because you mentioned how CKY was picked up in the skateboarding community. And, you know, if you grew up during that time period, especially during the years of Infiltrate, Destroy, Rebuild, I mean, you were incredibly familiar with CKY, not only the band, but CKY as it related to the DVD series. Could you speak to more about that shared uh, universe between CKY and the skateboarding community and the DVDs? Yeah, um, definitely. Like, luckily, my brother became a pro skateboarder in high school. And um, that was kind of our outlet to reaching a wider audience. Like it began, um, you know, uh, the the end of a toy machine skate video called Jump Off a Building was when, you know, we kind of got, I think it was like five or 10 minutes to do whatever we wanted. And we just did this ridiculous skit. And then that led to um, Land Speed, which was a wheel company doing a video and the owner of land speed was a guy called Rob Erickson who actually designed the volume one album cover. Um, he said, Hey, look, just for, for the land speed video, you guys have kind of full reign to do whatever you want. <laughs> and um, luckily it caught on. Yeah. And like, not just skateboarders, you know, like we definitely didn't anticipate it becoming anything more than like a cult following thing. But uh, it was, it was kind of a shock when, when it gained so much momentum that Spike Jones came calling and pitched us to MTV along with the big brother guys. And then it became jackass and then reached a level that we couldn't even have guessed, you know? <laughs> no, completely. I mean, it goes without saying, I mean, it was a complete cultural phenomenon, but more than that, I think it's so fascinating because you see how many people it impacted just across all these different mediums, not just music, but the videos. And I want to touch back very briefly just on the CKY videos. What was your level of involvement with the CKY videos? And also, how did that come up that CKY, the DVDs were also named the same as the band? I've always been curious about that. Yeah, and a lot of people were just confused by that as well, which was fun because they, it caused them to dig more into us. Um, and the internet was still very brand new at the time. So, you know, it wasn't a simple Google. Um, so people, that kind of led people to get super involved in it. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it just made sense to us to call it both CKY because, you know, we would just film all day and then um, record all night. So it just made sense to us, but not to anyone else really neither thing have anything to do with each other <laughs> fair enough well it definitely was a master class in distribution i think as a case study 
people even today, I don't know if they already do in business school, they need to look to it as a case study, it, it, absolute masterclass and just distribution from <laughs> for both the music and the film. So yeah, uh, I mean, like I said, it was pre YouTube and everything. So I've, I've heard people say it was kind of like the first viral thing. Um, which yes, kind of makes sense. It was just done through VHS tapes and DVDs. <laughs> No, completely. But there's this huge surge. I mean, I'm sure you're aware and just Y2K nostalgia. And it's kind of like for that reason, I think people are very much inclined to purchase traditional media again, you know, videos, yeah. VHS. Yeah, I mean, it's just not the same. Um, it's amazing that you can, you know, I, I can download the new Graveyard album or something uh, with my phone at any place. But you know, it's just not the same listening to it with a tiny little album cover on your phone. Um, I mean, I'm really showing my age here, but like <laughs> there's, there's just something about going to a store, buying a record and then listening to it the old fashioned way. It's more of an experience. Well, I, I agree. I mean, we're so many years removed from it and it does make me sad because I'll also say I remember going into the record store and there being, you know, CKY related stuff there, obviously, you'd be able mm. to sample it. You remember listening to it on the headphones. Sure. You could also, I mean, but did you have a record store growing up that really influenced you personally that you would go to? Yeah, there was one in Westchester called the Mad Platter. And um, I mean, before I could even drive, I would ride my bike there. I, I'd like, you know, save up. Uh, I, I'd skip lunch at school to save up enough to get like the new Iron Maiden tape. And then I'd ride my bike into town and, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and like, that probably sounds like a nightmare to people today, but it was amazing <laughs> for me. I still have the Iron Maiden tape, you know? <laughs> so that is interesting though, because you, you bring up Westchester and I feel like when we're talking about the CKY universe and we're talking about, the contributions that you've made to the city, you have been able to do something very interesting with Westchester in that you going all the way back decades, you've been filming there, you've been operating from there, but you've really put it on the map in many ways, or at least you've brought so much attention to that city. What is it like having such like a personal connection with the city versus someone who lives in LA where things are just so divided? You know what I mean? What's that been like? I, I think, if we did live in LA or somewhere, I, this town is just boring enough <laughs> so that you are kind of forced into doing something to just stay entertained, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and there was almost a motivation of like, we need to get good enough to be able to leave this town. <laughs> And and that's why I like Westchester so much because I get to leave a lot. <laughs> of course, <laughs> you have the best when I of go both into, worlds. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, like any town, there's like lots of small town drama, and I'm very happy to not be a part of any of that. You know, <laughs> when you go into a bar and have a beer, and you know, there's all this drama going on, and I'm completely clueless to it. Yeah, it's, it's a blessing. Well, that's true. And I think it's interesting, though, because speaking a little bit more to kind of the show business side of things, you know, growing up in a family, 
yourself, your entire family effectively being connected to show business. How has that environment influenced your career path personally and the choices you've made? It's definitely strange. You know, I, I didn't understand it at the time, but it was it was really hard to get used to people thinking that they know you. <laughs> mm -hmm. If that makes any sense. Like, it does. You know, I'd be in like Sweden or Denmark or something, and people are talking like they know you. And I, it just didn't, it didn't register. It, it creeped me out a bit, but I kind of understand that because there's movies like, say, uh, Super Troopers, for instance, you know, like I'm a fan of those guys, um, Beer Fest and all the other ones. And, you know, you kind of feel like, you know, them like Farva is like Mark Hanna to a T, you know, it's like, the characters remind you of people, you know, and yeah. I think that's why people, you know, would come up to me and talk to me like they know who I am, like know me personally. And I kind of understand a little bit about that more, but uh, yeah, it was definitely strange and I didn't know how to deal with it for the first few years of that, you know? <laughs> What would you say is your relationship to it now in terms of dealing with that level of exposure? Because I feel like you've been in it for so long and have experienced it for so long, that level of, like you said, that intimacy, that exposure. How do you deal with it now versus how you did back then? Um, I mean, I've been doing it so long that, and, and there's so much music out now and it's just crazy that I, I just appreciate, you know, I have no expectations whatsoever. You know, I'm, I'm happy that we get to still do this 25 years later. And, um, I definitely don't take it for granted. You know, um, I appreciate when someone actually goes out of their way to take off work and pay $25 to come see the band play like that. That's I, I, I'm forever grateful for that. You know, <laughs> The older I get and the more, you know, bands come to Philly all the time. And, and it's just so hard to just simply get there because there's so much going on. So I, I definitely appreciate when people write down the day we're playing, take off work or whatever it is, get babysitters or whatever they have to do. And I, <laughs> I definitely want them to have a good time. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, before we touch back on CKY, you know, I've been digging into some of your collaborations and side projects, and you've been part of various bands like Viking Skull, the company band and others. How do these collaborations compare to your work with CKY? Um, yeah, I mean, that a lot of those were born out of CKY broke up. <laughs> <laughs> like the company band was straight up like, the first time we broke up in 2007 and I'm like, now what do I do? You know? And, uh, I was just sipping on beers on my back patio and I got some liquid courage and, uh, called basically a lot of my heroes <laughs> that I always wanted to jam with. And fortunately they all said, sure, let, let's get together and jam. That's how that worked out. <laughs> and a lot of the times we're sitting there writing songs and I'm still like in, I'm not worthy mode, you know? <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, I mean, Neil from Clutch is one of my favorite singers still. And Brad from Fu Manchu is like one of the sickest bass players ever. I'm a lucky SOB that I get to jam with these guys, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, speak to that some more. Tell me about some of your greatest, not just influences growing up, but even currently. Like, who who are some of the guys that you say to yourself, like, these are my heroes. These are people who inspire me. Um, you know, I just did a record with Scott Reeder from Caius, and that, that was always one of my favorites growing up. And again, I was just in disbelief that this guy's playing bass on an album <laughs> that I'm on. And, um, but there's a lot of new, really great bands coming out. Like, you know, it's the shame of it because like, you have to really dig to find some of these bands, you know, like the band I yeah. mentioned earlier, Graveyard from Sweden. Um, they they opened up for us on a tour like a while ago. And uh, I would go watch their set every single night. <laughs> and it was so inspiring, you know, because, um, you know, you get burnt out on the road and it sometimes it becomes a grind. And to see dudes like that light up the stage every night. Uh, was super inspiring to me and some nights you know our fans can be kind of dicks and you know they walk up graveyard this band from sweden they're dressed like it's 1972 and some of our fans are like peace brah you know or whatever <laughs> and they they intended to give this opening band a hard time and by the end of graveyard set everyone in the crowd was just like oh my god like that was amazing you know <laughs> like of they course. would win over a whole audience every night and i love to see that <laughs> well okay this is very fascinating to me because you know cky has got this very hardcore fan base i mean like you said a very cult fan base speaking let's rewind the clocks back a little bit um and i think your relationship with bands in scandinavia in particular of course bam's relationship could you speak to to how you gravitate? Because you mentioned uh, Graveyard, for example. How how did you yeah, first start I, discovering I mean, these so bands? There's so many amazing Scandinavian rock bands. Like rock is is the like when you go to Copenhagen or Stockholm, yeah. like the radio isn't playing Nicki Minaj, man. They're playing like rock music. Yeah, and it it speaks volumes. And you could just walk into a random pub in Gothenburg and see a fucking kick-ass rock band um so it, it's like it's in the water over there <laughs> so um it's gotten to the point where if anyone's like huh have you heard this new band where are they from um Sweden it's like oh okay I already know they're probably really good <laughs> so do you listen to some other genres of music I'm curious just because it's like I think you and I would probably connect over a lot of these bands especially you know as it pertains to him bands like this but do you listen yeah, to other genres? For sure. And I, I've actually become that guy that my kids teach me about new music, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I really, I, I trust their opinion, you know, like, uh, they recently got me into like Jedi mind tricks and, um, uh, the, a ghost inside and pierce the veil. Oh, that's why I probably wouldn't know these bands unless my kids played them for me. And, you know, to see how into it they are, like that, that definitely is a selling point for me too, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, we, we got to play um, a festival recently with Ghost Inside and, you know, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm totally that guy. I'm like, my kids 
got me into you guys, you know? <laughs> That's like, wild. Okay, you know? <laughs> well, to hear you say that, that bridges a gap for me personally because, you know, CKY was a band that kind of continued on my, my musical journey even as I grew up in the MySpace era, like listening to bands like Pierce the Veil, who, you right. know, I grew up in that era of the 2000s. But I think I think that's really incredible. Would you see yourself? Let me let me rephrase this. A lot of bands, if you go on TikTok, things of this nature, they pull a lot of references from CKY. Maybe it's stylistic, maybe it's aesthetic. What are your thoughts on that? I definitely appreciate. I've seen a couple, like uh, the Royal Blood guys. Someone sent me a a um, interview where they mentioned that you know their first gig was our first gig in England, uh, Brighton back in 2003, I think it was. Yeah. And, you know, you could definitely hear some of the Royal blood songs have like a CKY ish guitar tone. And, um, you know, I love, I love seeing that. I, someone just sent me Polyphia covering 96 quite better beings on their live album. And, um, it's funny because they don't have a vocalist. I don't think, I think they're all instrumental, but the guy is like, doing this like ridiculous vocal <laughs> and i i don't know i i've since gotten into that band you know they're incredible players like virtuoso guitar players it's crazy and um yeah man that stokes me out to see these new bands you know doing any kind of shout out or nod to us <laughs> absolutely so that does bring us back to CKY, of course, because now I would love to, to talk about where CKY is today, the ongoing evolution, you know, work on albums like the Phoenix, but what the future projects you're most excited about regarding CKY. Yeah. I mean, we, we've uh, had a new album. I, I think it's done. <laughs> um, there's, that's another thing that's crazy. Like there's so much technology coming out like every other month that you know and chad is just constantly experimenting with all these new plugins and tape simulators and stuff like that i mean i i know for a fact that he mixed the album and it was pretty much done and then he got this new uh two inch tape simulator or preamp or something and he did a mix with that and it was noticeably like way thicker the mix was just it was popping the speak out of the speakers, you know, he's like, God damn it. Well, now I have to remix the whole album with this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I, it's definitely the new album is coming out next year and um, it might even be just on hold due to, you kind of have to release an album these days to at, at the proper time to get, you know, festivals and, and stuff like that to make touring worthwhile. <laughs> Of course. So a couple of key points then. Could you share some insights into how the band's style and direction has changed? Because you mentioned that obviously you're experimenting with a lot of new sounds, but are we thinking it's something that's very much in the ethos of CKY or are you exploring very new directions? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I, the new album, I mean, it's it's got kind of something for everybody is the best way I can describe it. I mean, there's definitely classic CKY elements, but there's a lot of new, new tricks up our sleeve. <laughs> We're old dogs with new tricks sometimes. <laughs> and, um, 
Yeah, I mean, some of the songs, I mean, it's like, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but, you know, like, of course. there's definitely, um, you know, some songs that kind of are much heavier than anything we've done. Almost like a nod to, like, bands like The Obsessed and stuff like that. Um, then there's, like, songs that ha have very, like, there's one song that kind of sounds like it could be on the Breakfast Club soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> or like a Talking Heads record or something. Um, okay. It's all, it's all over the place. The new album is all over the place in a good way, in, in a fun way. Um, and the, yeah, that's probably the best way I could describe it. <laughs> of course. So, okay, I think, I think that teases it out now for people who are obviously who are listening are going to be super interested, myself, obviously. So speaking to touring, what are you thinking in terms of when we can see CKY on the road again? And uh, where, you, where would you like to tour? What's exciting you? Um, I definitely like, like I said, you know, the best way I could describe, like, I, I, I enjoy a lot of parts of Europe because they care about, it, like, going to rock shows is like, um, they care about going to rock shows like we care about sports in this country you know yeah <laughs> so i kind of appreciate that um and it makes me kind of spoiled sometimes you know it's like why would i be playing cincinnati to 300 people when i could go to glasgow or stockholm and play to 2500 you know <laughs> no it makes but, perfect um, sense no culturally so different yeah definitely but um yeah i'm, I'm definitely looking for and and i shouldn't you know talk bad about america there's definitely like cities that are awesome for us still here um and canada but um i'm definitely looking forward to going back to um scandinavia the uk has always been awesome for us ireland um and we haven't been to australia in like coming up on over 10 years and i always love going there too the flight is awful but once you get there, it's worth it. <laughs> of course. So before we we touch back on CKY briefly, now that we're talking about Scandinavia, I would be remiss if I didn't ask what your relationship with the band Him is like, because it was so iconic that I think your family helped really collaborate with them so strongly. Yeah, luckily enough, we we're... Um able to do their farewell tour in the States and Canada. And I think there was a Mexico mm. show too. Um, yeah. So it was cool to finally do a proper tour with them. Cause we never really did. We played random shows with them in the past, but um, yeah, it was, that was a really fun tour. And I, I caught Villa um, on his solo tour in Philly not too long ago. And uh, that was, that was cool to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, obviously bam got really in, involved and in, into them and um that's how i heard about them um but yeah it's, it was weird that we never did like a proper like world tour with us and them but at least like i said back in 2018 or whatever it was we got to go out with them um for like a month i think it was and it was it was cool to finally do that <laughs> They're all great guys. Well, that's amazing. No, and obviously 
huge fan of CKY, huge fan of him. Um, speaking, speaking to something I find so interesting, just about, let's just call it the CKY universe. Um, I mentioned earlier, it's very much a family business. So for example, you've been able to bring your parents out on stage, which I think is really cool. And basically everyone you've known in life, they've been somehow kind of involved in either the DVDs, the films, just creating this huge yeah. network. What, what has that been like? And are you still in touch with some of, some of the people that we may remember from the films and things like this, even back in the day? Yeah, for sure. Decamella, I don't see as much as I'd like to. That's rare. Uh, Rake, I see all the time. Comes over a lot. I just went out to dinner with Rab recently. Um, yeah. Um, it's it's cool because we all kind of stayed local. And I, I'll i just run into Art Webb's, you know, coffee or something. <laughs> and, That's wild. Uh, and then we just reconnect, you know. Like, it's one of those things where it's like... I, two years could go by or two months and it's like, you know, it's like we, we just hung out two days ago. <laughs> like no time has passed. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Rab has really gotten into filming and he directed, um, a couple, he, he filmed, um, a thing I did called thoughts and prayers. Um, and he filmed a couple music videos for my buddies. Um, but yeah, he's, it's funny to see him get behind the camera, you know, and that's like his gig now. <laughs> and to hear his stories about like working on Naked and Afraid and like random TV show sets, you know. <laughs> that's um, wild. Yeah. But yeah, it's good to see him doing well with that. And Rake, of course, is still a scientist. <laughs> I don't think anybody watching the CKY DVDs, I remember, could have put those two, kind of the juxtaposition of Rake and his character, yeah. and then him being a scientist, which was always crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because we, we always say we're all going to get together, but it's easier said than done. And then sure. um, a couple of years ago, I guess I, we did a live stream concert, and I got the band back together, man. Like, we all uh, got together and filmed some random skits on top of, you know, CKY playing. And that was so much fun. And, you know, we all kind of had that moment of like, why don't we do this all the time? You know? <laughs> and um, yeah, it was just, again, like we're filming random skits and it was like, no time has passed. You know, we all just have gray in our beards now. That's the difference. <laughs> of, of course. Well, speaking to that, did you have a favorite moment from the CKY DVD era? I call it the DVD era, the films. Um, man, it's too hard to pick. You know, I was a fan of just being in the car when Deco would hit the drive-through and fuck with drive-through people. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, I mean, just my favorite skit is is the Chester County documentary, which is mostly just. DiCamello filming pictures of like old people and narrating over like the dumbest scenes ever. <laughs> you feel like you're watching like a history documentary, but it's the most ridiculous narration that you could ever imagine. <laughs> so, 
because okay so i'm getting back into the cky films as well i'm putting my friends on to it who maybe didn't get to see them when we were when they were younger are we are we going to be able to see a new cky film because that's what i think a lot of people want myself included uh i don't know we never really crossed that bridge because um yeah i mean it, it was the company that put out those movies kind of like once business got involved and and you know there's distributors that you know are skimming off the top and all that and we finally caught it and then they just went bankrupt and you know it it, it sucks because when money gets involved and companies get involved and you know there's just business bullshit you have to deal with it kind of yeah sours it a little bit and makes it not as fun i think that's a big problem of what happened with you know deco just had no interest anymore especially with mtv involved and you know i've been there in like just teeth clenching moments of like someone with a clipboard and a headset and they're just like okay be funny now like you know they're at work they're they're just they're at work. They don't want to be there, and it makes it work for us when it, it kind of never was. You know, like we would just go into the fucking woods with a camera, just and do and just be ridiculous. And it's kind of hard to do that when there's a team of people setting up lights and you know what I mean, like, and a whole staff involved. Um, it takes the fun out of it, and eventually, I think people got burnt out and I don't know, never say never, but uh, yeah, it, it kind of soured because of that. And, you know, it was, it was fun like doing that fuck you 2020 live stream thing and getting everybody back together because there was no people with clipboards saying be funny or whatever. Uh, it was just not have, us having a good time. So hopefully there'll be more of that, but who knows? <laughs> We're all no, I understand. kids now and jobs and everything. <laughs> I get it, but I'm going to be one of the, I'm going to be one of the proponents saying that that's what needs to happen culturally is there needs to be a self-distributed CKY follow-up. There has to be an anniversary, <laughs> right. but okay. So I'll speak on behalf of myself on that one. Um, <laughs> okay. Definitely would like to talk uh, about just your, your family life, your personal life as well. How, with your parents, how is it, it must be really spectacular when they get to see, you know, their kids do things that are so impactful. Like, what has that been like? Because they've been, they've been with you all the way. Yeah. And you've been able to be in such close contact with them and they've seen the journey. A lot of parents don't get to see the journey of their kids when they do really impactful things. Tell me about that. Yeah. And it gets really weird when my kids, you know, like, when my kids were really little, it's kind of hard to explain to them, like, you know, why people are coming up to pop up at the airport and getting pictures mm -hmm. with them and stuff. You know? Yeah. And, um, but one of the funniest things was my kid, my, my son, London, like most kids, I guess, got really into video games and come. So, yeah, the, the weirder thing is when my kids, I have to explain to them, like, they, especially when they were little, they didn't understand when we'd be at a supermarket or an airport and 
people would be coming up to, you know, grandma and grandpa getting pictures. They just didn't understand what was happening. And it's hard to explain everything to them. But one of the more funny things was my son London got into video games a lot, like most kids these days, and kind of went back and revisited the Tony Hawk games. Yeah. And um, so it was, I, I think it was Tony Hawk 4 maybe, where you can unlock a level where you could skate as my dad in his underwear. And <laughs> yeah. did that and just was so confused. And I had to try and explain to him. <laughs> like, there it was a lot of explaining, and he still was just, had no idea what was going on. <laughs> For good reason, you know. That Imagine actually is really kid, funny. You're playing, you know, Mario, and then someone in your family <laughs> is, is in his underwear fighting Bowser or whatever, you know. <laughs> it's wild. Well, well, your father's iconic. I think that's what boils down to. And that was really the, the foundation of my question. You know, your family has been so intimately involved in everything that you and your brother have done. It's so fascinating because Phil in his own right has become, as you, as you said, iconic in the video game, etc. And he's very recognizable. <laughs> I think he gets recognized more than anyone uh, that that I know of. Because it's like, how do you how do you miss Phil at you know the supermarket? <laughs> of course. Well, I I think that that kind of brings us in into the conclusion. But I'd like to to ask you one question personally. Just can you explain kind of the dynamics in your family currently and how everything is, and just uh, speak a little bit more to that. Yeah, um, you know, obviously Bam's troubles have been pretty public, but uh, yeah, we're still trying to work through that. It's it's been a roller coaster, you know, and hopefully he'll. It it seems like he's doing better. It seems like he's he's been sober for coming up on a hundred days or something. I heard. Fantastic. And I hope I hope you know things get better. But right now, he's kind of like doing his own thing and hopefully figuring things out there's always enablers around them and you know it's hard to get better when there's constantly people you know <laughs> offering to buy drinks or whatever at wherever you are i mean you could drop bam at a truck stop in nebraska and there'll be somebody like can i get your shots or whatever you know it's kind of hard to get your shit together and sober up when that's the case so <laughs> No, it's completely understandable. And like you said, it's just, it's, it's ultimately exacerbated by just this level of, of recognizability. And, you yeah. know, of course that's totally understood. Well, yeah, I would like, yeah. I Hopefully, you know, it seems like he's getting older and, and he's not stupid. He's, he's starting to understand, I think what, what the deal is. <laughs> Uh, I haven't written him off completely yet. I don't think I ever would, but um, yeah, it's just so hard to deal with when he's got people, you know, uh, egging him on and and uh, telling him, you know, like it's really hard for him to take accountability on anything because there's always people like, no, man, you know, you're right, they're wrong, you know. <laughs> yeah, of it's course. Like, it's it's a fucking uphill battle, man. <laughs> no, and it's something I wanted to touch on. I think it's so it's so important because it's something so many families go through. And I think we mm -hmm. need to, you know, everyone likes to sensationalize these stories, which is something that I don't appreciate personally. 
because yeah. this is something that everyone has to go through and it's such a human quality it, my it really family included. Is, yeah like people that come up to me I, I don't think i know one family that is that doesn't have at least one person dealing with addiction problems you know of course so it's definitely relatable and and um yeah i mean it would be great for for bam to you know being such a, a character still to this day like um it would be cool if he could help people going through the same thing you know that that would be something that i would be all about because it's not easy and you know coming from someone that's really been through it and there isn't a question about addiction that you could throw at them that they don't know the answer to mm-hmm. is extremely helpful i mean look at novak you know mm-hmm. like that guy is like starting rehabs speaking at rehab things and and you know he's written a couple of books it's funny like i'll be out on tour and like my drum tech will be in recovery and you know talk about how like novak is his rock star and got him off heroin and stuff like that you know it's like yeah it's such a cool story to hear and to be honest with you if you would have told me that 10 years ago i would have laughed in your face yeah <laughs> but um yeah i mean it, novak is is awesome example of like you know anyone can get get through it because there was a time that i didn't think novak was going to make it you know there of course. he's he's od'd three times and had to get narcan three times in one day before wow it's pretty easy to lose hope when that's the case you know and now look at him he's fucking doing great and um yeah, yeah that's it's a cool story it's it's a happy ending to a story that could have been really shitty. <laughs> no, I totally agree. And thank you for sharing that. It's something, and mm-hmm. I've, of course, I've seen him on podcasts recently, and it's been very fascinating to hear his story. Um, mm-hmm. Jess, that, that does bring us to the last question. And um, I really appreciate this so much. Looking back at your career, what would you say have been the biggest challenges and successes? And how have these experiences you know, shaped your life. I mean, it's been a roller coaster, but it's just a success. Just that people are still listening to records that, you know, I hope are timeless. <laughs> I think they're timeless. Um, it's rock music, you know. I think a lot of the albums that I play drums on hopefully will outlive me, you know. <laughs> um, so I mean, that's that's the reward in itself, you know. If if some I, I never know what to say when someone comes up and says, you know, hey, man, like this song or this album really got me through a dark time or whatever. And I don't know how to respond to that. And I hope I don't come off as like, oh, yeah, thanks. But because I know exactly what they're talking about. There's there's albums that got me through crazy shit, crazy times in my life. So I know exactly what they're saying. But it's such a huge compliment that I just don't know how to respond to it. And I'm super grateful to hear things like that. And I, I just still to this day do not know what to say back. (laughs) Well, maybe that's the best response. I, I really appreciate so much you taking the time today to do this interview with me and just um, sharing your insight. I'm really looking forward to what CKY is doing in the future. So thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Of course, brother.